and welcome to the Spectrum Seekers podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Tony Kennison, and our other host, Lorene Malley. Hi, Lorene. Hi, I'm so excited about today. Uh, Tony and I are back from holiday. Um, if you have been following us, we have two podcasts up for the one was for the holiday and one was an intro but we're really getting started today like we're getting into it we're going to start getting into the meat of things that Tony and I really want to talk about and today we're going to start talking about overall running a business as a person with autism, ADHD and or both. Um Tony and I do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it comes back to business because, you know, we like to monetize our hyperfixations. We um, are very interested in business. And then also another reason is um, a lot of autistic people, um, for example, and ADHD people, people with ADHD, but a lot of people who are autistic have trouble holding down, keeping a corporate type job. So I was looking into some of the statistics to get started with our conversation. And um, they vary statistics when it comes to percentage of autistic people who have jobs in the workplace. And um, the most consistent number I can find is that 85% of adults with autism do not currently have jobs in the workforce and or unemployed. 85%. That's a big number. That's a big number. Also, if you consider how many people are not diagnosed autistic. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, and and a lot of the studies are assumptions based on current numbers that we have, um, assumptions, statistics. Um, But I truly believe when it comes to how many people are autistic, if we talk about the United States, I think the numbers are around eight to 10%. Um, and that's just based on my own personal research. So you're talking about 85% of eight to 10% of the whole population of the United States. That is a lot of people. Um, and what Tony and I have found and what we find talking to people um, online and our clients and customers is that a lot of autistic people then decide to start their own businesses or side hustles, as you would call them. Um, I think that that is sometimes the answer for people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think even looking back at my work history, the places, you know, I, there were several times I tried to get into a desk job. And mm-hmm. I I think about my longest, it was probably about a year and a half before I was like burning out was too much. And I had a, it was a very low pressure job, but for me, my difficulties came in you know a million different ways um, with that type of work. I thrived the most when I was doing unconventional work, serving, bartending, hosting. Um, in our group, the Spectrum Seekers Society, um, Beth Joy is one of our amazing members. And um, she was bringing up this topic as well about how great that industry is for her brain. Going back through my work history, I just have not had, I don't have the tool set. I didn't do well in high school, elementary school, middle school, because I also don't have that skill set. So finding ways of doing it creatively, I can do more work, I think, and I can do better work than some of my counterparts. If as long as I have time, flexibility, creativity, I can work in a comfortable position, I can do a lot, but I cannot do as much in those. And so finding ways to help people break out of that or find a way to to do that is like, I mean, I think that's some of our, my favorite work like that, that we get to do for sure. Yeah, and I think that, it's an important 
talking about this is an important part of advocacy for autism and ADHD because um, it's a very real thing that a lot of people struggle with. And we also have to mention that with autism and ADHD, there's a spectrum of higher needs and lower needs. So when Mm -hmm. we talk about people who are unemployed, some um, autistic people aren't even able to start their own business because of the, the, um, the high needs that they have. Mm -hmm. So Tony and I are coming from a lower needs conversation. Many of our clients are ones that are able to hold their own businesses, but at the same time, there's a struggle there because there's, there's one end where it's high needs and you are absolutely for various reasons, unable, then there's lower needs where if you have the right circumstances, you are Mm -hmm. able to thrive in your own Mm -hmm. business. And then there's so much in between. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of our clients are, are in the in between where it's like, can I do this? Am I able to do this? Can I consistently do it? And I think the conversation that I have a lot with um, the people in our community is like things like consistency, rejection sensitivity, mm-hmm. communication, relationships. It's all the little idiosyncrasies that come with the workforce in general. And so mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things to balance is that idea of um, the in-between, the spectrum, right? Yeah. Um, and and if it's if people are even able to do it. And as a coach and as someone who works with um, autistic people, I think that finding ways to make it work within that spectrum is the biggest conversation we should be having. I love that. I had to write down higher needs and lower needs because I just really like (laughs) that language. Um, Because I think a lot of times people default, what's the other thing they say that is not as... Um, I've like tried to, what is that? I know exactly what I you're know. talking about. <laughs> um, we have to come back to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it's there. And I'm, many people here will know it when you heard us just saying that there's some, there's a phrase that people tend to say when they mean like, I'm really autistic or like I'm mm-hmm. really ADHD. Right. And I understand. High functioning I, I, and low functioning. High functioning. There it is. Functioning. <laughs> I got ah, high yes. functioning labels. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so I really liked that, that just that change in language. Um, and I also liked how you said, I can do it under the, with the right circumstances, because right. I think that that's something that, especially that would be harmful to people who are undiagnosed is because they mm-hmm. don't realize that like, there is a through line, there's a way for you to be successful at this, but because mm-hmm. you don't understand where you're playing the game at, like you don't understand you've been dropped on the hardest level you are not going to have an, as an easy of a through line. It's not that you aren't going to find success, whether or not, whatever pace you need to go at, but it's where it's helpful to have the cheat guide or have, have another person that can kind of see from a different vantage point, because when you're in it and you're undiagnosed or you're just getting diagnosed, those circumstances are often so wrong. Like, like for me, when I was starting, I was way off on almost everything I needed to be successful because I'd been getting, I'd been taking workshops and reading online from a neurotypical vantage point. And so I was setting myself up constantly to not fail, but to have a harder time than I needed to. When I could realize, wait, my circumstances need to be, I can't be on calls all day. I can't, Mm. you know, keep going and, um, like, or in some ways, like I need to have a roller coaster of energy. I love having a big bump where I work really hard for two months and I take a month off. Like that actually works best for my energy, but I wasn't doing that. I was grinding. And so 
when you can figure out the circumstances and that you need certain circumstances, it really does alleviate a lot of just the yuck, like the hard stuff that doesn't need to be hard. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I was going to say too, I went, so where was I at? I was going to a meeting. I don't remember where I was going. And I was driving and I thought about how I have this hierarchy of people that I accept advice from people from. And at the top <laughs> are going to be like women of color. Mm-hmm. Or number Agreed. one, um, a same non-binary or, you know, femme, femme presenting women of color. After that, white women of color. After that, then they're kind of like on the same line as men of color. Okay. And then um, after that would be white men. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, Tony, am I closing myself off to potentially helpful information from the white man? Right. But regardless of if of his information is helpful to my business, I don't think it'd be helpful to my, to me, if it was helpful to my business in some way. It really still isn't because it's always going to come from, I know it's something you talk about um, on your content, but like, it's always going to come from that lens of a white privileged male standpoint. Now Mm. it's just about, if you need helpful advice, I really do think in getting those circumstances, it's about just shifting how you're getting those circumstances and information. Those circumstances aren't right for you. And they just Mm. plain aren't like, that's just the way it is. I agree. Yeah. I think when you start taking advice from neurodivergent people, um, people who are struggling with the same things that you are, it helps get the cheat codes for the hard things that we're already doing. That's the thing. Like one thing a few years ago, I looked at when you talk about white men, (laughs) one thing I looked at a few years ago and I started like actually researching this, but most of the, the voices we hear are white men, the Mm -hmm. top um, New York bestsellers list, um, top podcast list, top, um, like anything, they're usually white men. So when you hear that voice all the time, there's not really a deviation into any type of struggle that would be related to that type of success. Mm -hmm. Not to say that white men don't struggle, but I mean, (laughs) We don't have to get, we don't have to go down this road, but the mediocrity that is required for a white man to succeed is like, I'm raising two white men. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I see the privilege it is to be them, you know? Um, And so, so the same things happen within the entrepreneurial world, right? The top voices that we have been hearing from were not only white men, but neurotypical white Uh cis het men. And so when you are a, for example, like Tony, a woman of color who is autistic, the like the difference like in the I- needs <laughs> that you have are like so different. So, um, so I typically now surround myself with autistic and ADHD people in the business world because I was just thinking about this recently. I've never been happier and more cons- like consistent and content in my business than I have been this last year when I started surrounding myself even more with Mm -hmm. um, neurodivergent people. Yeah, I agree. 5,000%. And I will say too, like my husband is a white, um, so he, and I think I mentioned this on another podcast. He's not, he is neurodivergent because he has epilepsy. Um, (laughs) However, in most other like social and other things like that, he's very neurotypical and he he the advice worked for him you know what I mean like he has he made it through college he did great in school he has a great paying white man job where he's in middle Mm -hmm. management like that advice it will work for uh, for some people and it's just about them not taking that bit and I don't know why why I said that part again what did you say right before I forget 
I don't know. We're just we're just going with it. Okay. Well, that was talking what I was about saying, women. That it didn't work for Zach, and yeah. Oh, and surrounding your people, you. surrounding, surrounding yourself. Oh, this last year, yeah, like you said, it's even more. Like, let's just peel back that onion more, and I just get into deeper levels of. I finally feel ready to branch out and have community again. I got mm-hmm. burned bad in Raleigh and I was done. I was like, I'm actually going to be fine not having any friends for the rest of my life. Like I, I was at that point of like, I like my husband and I have my kids. Like, I guess that's all I need. And I think some of the things this last year of, they kind of took away some of my safety layers of like, well, what if you don't have that too? Like you have to, we, I can find community in mm-hmm. with safe people. I don't have to keep going into unsafe places and trying to fit there and Mm -hmm. that is work and I'm done with that so it can be good if you continue to surround yourself and especially with this as we put that flip on business too it becomes a hyper fixation for us a lot of times like the ADHD people I know who are in business that's 90% of our conversations Mm -hmm. 90% of even when I talk to my husband I'm always talking about my business because it is Mm -hmm. I love it like it is a part of me (laughs) and uh, I'm having people to process with, people to work through rejection sensitivity with, like absolutely community makes such a huge difference. It really does. And I think that communication for me, um, like I actually just told Brian recently, I was like, I haven't tried to make a neurotypical friend since I got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And because it is so easy to communicate with neurodivergent people, particularly people who are autistic. For me, I have struggle. I struggle communicating with holistic people. Um, mm-hmm. And holistic is just someone who's not autistic. Um, I have trouble communicating with holistic people a lot of times, but I find I have very little difficulty communicating with autistic people. Yeah, I agree too. Yeah. So when it comes to business, so this is something that I have noted with my clients in the last um, few weeks is that something that the things that come up a lot for, um, for us in business are three themes that I think if, if we work on those, everything else kind of falls into place. The three reasons that I think autistic people don't do well in the nine to five type workplace is um, these three things are most important to us. And I would love to hear your feedback on this. Safety, autonomy, and time, like time freedom, like having control of your own time. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the themes that come up in almost every conversation that I have with my clients around their business. and. I think that it's not impossible in a corporate job, but I think it's really hard to feel safe, to have autonomy, and to um, be able to do more with the time, with your time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the time thing rings. I, I realized how much of my just ADHD and autistic journey is surrounded by time, by needing more of it, by feeling like I'm behind on everybody else. By a lot of times I will tell myself, if I just had a little bit more, if I had, then I could do what everybody else can do. And so that like restructuring of it, I think when we can get into those layers too of like RSD and DA, like a, mm-hmm. for people listening to so like rejection sensitivity disorder and demand avoidance, and then like putting in a hierarchical system of like a boss with autonomy, like it is, it's such a difficult trifecta of like, how can I be successful in this without having my freedom? Because one of the things I think, Lorraine, you've really taught me this last year has been like, I already have the tools to do my job, like whatever that job might be. If it's 
I don't, it doesn't even have to be for work related, but like, if it is like, I, I have the tools ingrained, it just looks different. My tool set is just an entirely different brand, but mm-hmm. I can use it to get my job done. But if I am putting it next to a neurotypical person and I'm working next to them and comparing every single thing that I do, if my job is to rebuild a car engine and I'm given a manual and a different set of tools, I can do it, but it won't look like theirs. And the more that we can have that autonomy, the time to turn our backs and say like, listen, I'll get my job done don't micromanage me on how and what order mm-hmm. we are magicians. Like we can do so much, but under those constraints of feeling unsafe, having no personal autonomy and a lack of time. I, yeah, I under, I agree completely. Yeah. And creating a safe environment for yourself is really hard. Like you and I are lucky because we have a safe environment at home. Mm-hmm. That's a huge privilege in itself. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't have that. And a lot of people don't feel safe with even like their business coaches. They don't feel safe in the containers that they're paying for. They don't Mm. feel safe. Like if we're talking about business owners, they don't feel safe where they are. And so there's high masking. Mm. So you mask the, so I've noticed that the more someone feels unsafe, the higher that they're masking. Masking is also like a habit. I mask out a habit. I have to intentionally not do it. Um, but if the safer you feel, the easier it is to unmask. And if you mm-hmm. can create a safety for yourself, have more autonomy over yourself and your own time, I think that that is where we thrive the best. Mm-hmm. And it's like that safety is really a domino effect of like, okay, once I feel mm-hmm. safe, I can be vulnerable. Once I can be vulnerable, I can be authentic. And um, I wrote like in huge letters on my notes here, like the one of my big things that I felt like was important for us um, is authenticity. I don't know. I don't know if it's my, what is going on in my brain. I can tell when I read people's copy, when they are like being like, maybe masked is the right word or like a little stiff, just not, not, not their true, like an authentic feels ucky, I guess a little bit to say it that way. I'll let it say, cause that's how I said it. But I just mean, I feel like I can tell when people in their content are saying what they think they need to say to make the sale versus mm-hmm. when they're coming at it from a place of like a, Hey, this is me. And I know, and I got it. I'm not who I'm supposed to be. And so that safety, I think can trickle down, like get safe in your business and then get vulnerable with the people that you can so that then you can be your authentic self and you know, the, your favorite version of yourself that you want to make sales as, you know, exactly. Yeah. And I think that can look all different ways. I think for me, there's a version of like unmasking and masking that's kind of weaved within my copy and the Mm -hmm. way I respond to people. So I agree with you completely. Um, When it comes to safety in your business, what do you feel like are a few ways we can add that safety in? And I'll start with making sure you have support. Mm -hmm. Like, do you know how many people I've worked with that was like, that have so much trauma from the coaches that help them or the people that help them. They just like felt so unsafe and unable to express themselves. And, you know, I think the trauma that comes from that is often like, then there's like a fawn response. Sometimes, sometimes people stay with like coaches or support for years that they Mm -hmm. feel unsafe with because they're fawning or they're freezing or they're, just don't have the skills um, to remove themselves from that situation. So I think one of the biggest things is make sure you have support and create accommodations for yourself, but Mm -hmm. also work on surrounding yourself with people who you feel safe around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My my first thought when you asked was anchor human was my first one was (laughs) because 
there is just to use that word ants, ants. There are so many ants when you are running your business and you need an ant farm where they can go and live and they can do their job while you can go and do yours because they, you, you're not getting rid of them. Um, and so having an anchor human who can mirror back to you um, exactly the truth, because we haven't, I think speaking for myself and some other people, I, I don't know if all autistic people, I guess, struggle this, but we have a, a way of really viewing ourselves clearly. I think like, I think that we over, we're very self insightful, like an introspective, um, almost to a fault where we can overchew it past where it needs to be. So finding somebody who can say like, we've gotten to that point, we've chewed on it enough, swallow it and keep going. Like we don't, that that is super helpful in safety. That person has got to be someone you trust, someone mm -hmm. who does not, and trust in both ways. Trust that it will be gentle with you. Also yeah. you have to trust they'll be honest with you because if you think, I'll, I told Zach I removed him recently as an anchor person. I love him and he can be on my boat, but I no longer trust him to be honest with me. He's too nice to me. He's always like, no, it's not your fault. I'm like, one of these things is my fault. Well, so, something has to be me, okay? Like you are too on my side. <laughs> so he's been removed. He's just now my, uh, he's just riding alongside the boat with me. <laughs> but my anchor humans, I trust to be honest when I've overstepped as well mm -hmm. as honest to be gentle. I can be safe with them having that. And then I think accommodations, like you said, but finding those is a lot of times, honestly, responding to situations. So like, mm -hmm. try to go work from bed in a quiet space for a day, and respond to it and say, did I, was that a good work day? Did I enjoy that? Or do I need more peopling? And then make a shift. I think don't set up your office somewhere until you know where you want it forever, you know, like, set it up mm -hmm. like do respond to the things around you honestly and then make an accommodation my workspace doesn't feel good here let's move it here I don't like starting my day at 10 let me start at seven like I think those little micro things can help um but you have to be honest about what you like and that can be really difficult for us Ooh, that's such a good point I want to go back to when she said ant farm because that's mm -hmm. awesome and <laughs> and if you didn't watch our previous videos ants are automatic negative thoughts um so really quickly, autistic people have a lot of ants because we don't prune um, the neural pathways in our brain very quickly at all. It's also why we get very um, overstimulated because we have just so much going on. Neurotypical people, their brains just like prune little things that don't matter to their brain mm -hmm. and their existence. And our brains don't do that, which makes way for automatic negative thoughts. Autom ants are not something you can mindset your way out of. Ants are not mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to think with gratitude. That's why I was always like, I'm so bad at this like <laughs> self-help stuff. Yeah. And I realized that people, when people's brains work differently, it's different. Um, like you can have a gratitude practice. You can have a positive yeah. mindset, but part of our brain and in the human existence as an autistic person is going to be negative. It's just going to have mm -hmm. a stream of negative thoughts. And those are your ants. And I think having an anchor person for your ants is a great way to put that. I love that so much. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a bit. So like if we start with like safety, that's that's a really good beginning because I also feel like working on perfectionism is mm -hmm. a huge part that helps with safety because First of all, like we know this, there is no perfect, mm -hmm. but also when we were talking about before, like rejection sensitivity, when, when we are so 
worried and um, feel the pain of perceived rejection, we try to make everything look perfect before we do it because mm -hmm. we're just going to try not to be rejected as much as possible. And that's just not, it just won't ever happen. Like mm -hmm. for, for us, for example, this podcast, like we just kind of just started doing it. We're just going to yeah. do this. We're just going to have fun. And I, if you guys are business people, I can't tell you how many times we had to start this podcast because either Tony and I said something that we weren't ready to say, and we're just going to edit it out. It's going to mm -hmm. be great. But, um, not needing working on your perfectionism and perfectionism is also a trauma response. Like yeah. working on your perfectionism in a way that helps you is also going to bring a lot of safety because for rejection sensitivity dysphoria, for example, um, there's no way to avoid it. And this is something that I try to tell. I, I remind my clients of this all the time. It's you had a realization about your own neurodivergence. That's so beautiful. Also, you don't have to put all your energy into trying to fix it. Yes. because some of the things aren't going to ever go away and that's mm -hmm. okay. Like rejection sensitivity dysphoria, it will always be there. It's literally how your nervous system works. And so, um, rejection sensitivity comes with perceived rejection. So the reason that we can't put out the podcast or have the post or create something beautiful and share it with the world is not that we get harmed when we are rejected. It's that we already feel harm from the perceived rejection that might happen <laughs> or any type of feedback that's not like amazing and over the moon. And then on top of it, when we get amazing over the moon feedback, we still look at that as rejection. We're still <laughs> like, but they didn't mean it, but they're just yeah. being nice, but that's not even good. So I think like, for example, looking at rejection sensitivity dysphoria, knowing that own, having a business as an autistic person is gonna be so messy and mm -hmm. that's okay. Yeah. The word that I feel like also came up for me too, was like control. Um, I think when you're raised undiagnosed and you don't understand, you're just always trying to get control of everything. Like, you're just like, if I can just somehow have enough time, I could do this and I could do this. And so for me a lot, when I'm going up to like launch that offer and I don't want to put it out there because you said it to me so great one day, I was like, I'm sorry, it's just my perfectionism. And you were like, Tony, you're not a perfectionist. And I was like, I'm not a perfectionist at all. Actually, I really don't mind it being messy. I actually mm -hmm. don't give a shit at all. It's just me trying to control the situation by being mm -hmm. like, if I control this, nobody will have a bad reaction and then I won't feel RSD. But the fun little ironic bit is that I was experiencing RSD that whole time. Like I was already mm -hmm. marinating in the feeling that I was trying to avoid. And mm -hmm. so if I just realized like we were in Kochi, it was really early on and I remember you had asked me like, Tony, what are you worried about that, about this launch? And I was like, I'm, I'm worried about to be disappointed. And you were like, okay, okay. Then what is the outcome if you don't do the launch? Right. And I was like, well, I'll be disappointed. And you were like, exactly. Like it's there. You're feeling it. And like, and you were like, mm -hmm. and how are you feeling right now? And I was like, I'm feeling kind of disappointed in myself currently. And I was like, so a lot of times what we're running from that cannot be removed because of our autism and ADHD. It's the ants, it's the RSD. So instead it is just in doing shit like a little scared and doing it a little messy. And then when people come back and they don't have the response that you want, you run to your anchor person, put on your armor and you go back and you fight them. I don't know if you fight them, but. <laughs> I'm like, that's like it, point. <laughs> like that is it. And then also um, when it comes to having an anchor person, one thing I always tell my autistic and ADHD clients is, your 
I will never tell you because like you you brought up a topic that we talked about a lot and I will never Mm -hmm. tell you we talked about that already get over it because Mm -hmm. you are gonna have the same issues like dealing with an issue and doing the thing for us does not mean next time we won't feel the issue or we'll feel it less (laughs) we might even feel it more it's just that time it worked so Mm -hmm. um you have to give yourself permission to verbally process the same shit over and over and over, maybe forever. You know, I've mm-hmm. had a business since 2015 and I've never had a, I've never had a launch flop completely. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt confident when launching. So it's like, yeah. I don't even need evidence. I don't need the evidence in my brain. <laughs> like every time I'm like, oh, well, this is, this is going to like, n- nobody it. cares anymore. <laughs> this is the one that's going to flop. And that's okay. And so yeah. many of us wait until we feel comfortable to do something, which is why we feel stuck because it's always going to feel uncomfortable. Our nervous system is always going to feel unsafe at some point in owning a business. Mm-hmm. And we, this is why I try to remind my clients, like you're never, cause, cause there's this air of the entrepreneurial, um, self-help world that if you can fix yourself, then uh-huh. doing all that shit's going to be easy. Like yeah. you have to fix this stuff first. You have to have the positive mindset and you have to, you know, get up at 5am and do the things and, and have your life planned and have your, your calendar have color coordinated to every minute of your day. And then once you, cause so many people say, once I set up the systems, then it will be easy. Yes. And it's like, systems are great if they work for you, but that's not, that's not going to change not forever. how you feel. <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. systems, like I spend so much time implementing a system that's going to free up time. Cause again, my entire life is like in trying to get more of it. <laughs> time. Yeah. Exactly. And like it's always there. And then I'm like, what did I just waste three hours on this for when I'm never going to use it? It was for one launch. It was for one workshop and I didn't need it. And I don't, so it's not that. Yeah. Like, like Lauren said, there are some systems which absolutely work it but in order to find those I think respond to what's working try it once and then please for the love of God if it doesn't work quit milking it because it's not gonna work like it's okay and it's gonna be messy and that's okay yeah um and I think I think another thing that helps us gain autonomy when it comes to business is to not have to follow all of the neurotypical rules of business. Cause I can't tell you how many times I got so frustrated trying to do something that was told like this, <laughs> the whole idea that someone has the key to being successful in business. Mm-hmm. Like someone has the key, this someone one workshop <laughs> will have the thing that works and you just have to keep buying programs until you get the one thing. Um, I think that's the main thing that like made me feel like I didn't have autonomy when I started my business. Yeah. It, I think it's been such an ongoing practice. I don't know when my shift happened. Somebody said the other day, like, oh, I would love like some of your feedback on how you show up on like social media. They're like, you seem so confident. And I just was like, what? (laughs) Me? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I feel so like every time I post anything that might be received in a certain way, you know, but it being able to have that freedom, I think it just, for me, it came back to like doing it scared enough times, like in showing up as myself enough times and And I, like, I do well with evidence. So for me, it's like, okay, I put something out and no one yelled at me. I'll come to you guys. I come to Lorene all the time. And I'm like, I just can't do this because someone's going to be mean to me. 
And then I'm like, which is so silly because I'm, I am very lucky that people are so nice to me on the internet, a couple meanies. But when you look at it, it's like the evidence does not support that I'm going to be bullied relentlessly on the internet today. The evidence mm-hmm. supports I'm going to meet a lot of really nice people. So we have to somehow, I don't know what I was going to say. It stole it from me. Okay. This is real. <laughs> this is real. It's gone. But we have to do that. Okay. We have to backtrack. What were we talking about? <laughs> it was about how you have to, and now, and then it's like, as soon as I say it, my brain just stole the rest of it too. And they were like, they like yeah. took the last words. Yeah. It was autonomy, yeah. but I didn't, it's okay. We're just going to, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's totally fine. Do you the have any, do you have any tips on your list for, yeah. that we didn't talk about? Well, authenticity was the big one that I had on there. Another mm-hmm. one I think for um, going forward is burn your bridges. So to me, that means when somebody like that creating safety in an online space um, on your timeline, like I use Facebook a lot. I know Lorene's main um, places there too. Just burn your bridges and unblock and unfriend the people who aren't supportive of like you and your business. Just burn it and goodbye. If they have a comment to say about your little endeavor or your little craft hobby or, oh, I can't believe that you're starting up another thing. Didn't you just burn the bridge? They are not there to support you. So I think cultivate and curate a really safe space around you for your business um, and make new friends. I think that that can be a difficult part of networking online. But if you are noticing on me and Lorene's pages that somebody is like really freaking cool and comments on the same things. Like finding ways to network with, with ourselves in safe spaces is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my last one that I had to say, my biggest tip that I got from Lorene is devotion over consistency for running your business. And it's like mm-hmm. my favorite advice. It was on a sticky note at my office for years. And when Lorene said this, and it was years and years ago, she said, you know, so many of us will fall. We think that we will fail at this because we can't be consistent. When it comes to running your business, consistency is not key. It is devotion. So like in loving your business every day, even the days I don't post on the days I don't think about my business, the days I can't make an offer, I'm still devoted to it. Um, And consistency and judging ourselves so harshly by it. It's just not really in the cards for us. It's not something that mm-hmm. we'll probably ever achieve. So devotion is something we can do. And yeah, it's my business. I love, that I love that because I feel like so many people ask that they're like, I have trouble with consistency. And it's like, that starts a whole rabbit hole of like, judge. Uh, so I didn't post. So I have a problem with consistency. So I'm not going to post. And now I'm mad at myself. Now it's been too long since I posted. Now nobody cares. It's like this whole, this whole mm-hmm. th- situation that happens when you think that consistency is in, is important, especially if you think you have to post every day or whatever. I remember you just messaged me a little while ago. You were like, I can take a whole month off and nobody mm-hmm. cares. Nobody's like, where's nobody cares. Why? <laughs> I was for sure thought everyone would like be like, oh, she quit her business. She's a failure. She must have ran out. And I was like writing all these stories for me. Another really good advice that Lorraine gave me, guys, is um, stop writing stories for people and spending all their money. (laughs) I would always do that. I would always be like, no, no one can afford it. And she was like, stop spending people's money. They can spend it themselves and they'll decide what they want to spend their money on. You guys are going to get all my Laureenisms today. (laughs) That is that is a good one. Like I tell myself that too, like stop spending other people's money because, you know, I'll have like, my offers are priced a certain way, um, to make sure I don't have to work that much as like Mm -hmm. a ton. And you know, I'll tell myself like, Oh, 
like everyone's struggling right now. No one can afford it. I'm like, yeah. that's, but that's, that's not even true. That's like, <laughs> like yeah. that's not even a true thing. People can afford things and I don't have to spend money for people. Um, yes. I think that, that is a good one. Also, I was thinking, oh man, these things keep coming out of my, like Tony and I try to outline and then we outline, we start talking about other things and, mm-hmm. um, oh, I just had another one that I wanted to talk about. Where did it go? Damn it. I think that's it. I think it's gone. Well, we can also tell them about real quick, the, what's it called? The loop and the spiral. That one's one of my favorites. I'm going to just make you a graphic for it because I love it so much and I'm tired of waiting for it. So I'm going to do it, (laughs) but I'll make it prettier. I don't know where it is, but yeah, you can make one right now. (laughs) Well, I'll make it pretty so we can share it for the other people, but this is just for you guys. A lot of times, (laughs) Lorene, tell them, Bill thinks. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) Lorene, tell them. Okay. So when you, that's the, that's the spiral. Which one are you talking about now? Where you, you tell think me. that you're always stuck like that, but yeah. really you're not. You're going right. like this. You are exactly. having progress. You're not okay, getting so, in a 2D. So people are listening. Um, <laughs> Tony drew a circle. And <laughs> what we see is like starting, getting going, failing, coming back and starting over. Starting, getting going, failing, coming back and starting over, right? And so like the circle is like you feel like you're going around in a circle. Like I start something, I do the thing. I don't like it. I failed. And that's just a circle that you continue to be in. But the spiral is kind of like, if you imagine a spiral um, staircase, every time you start something, you're going up the spiral. You're, (laughs) you're not starting (laughs) over. You don't fail when something doesn't work. You start going up the spiral. And even if it feels like you're failing, and you start over, you're still way ahead than you were before the first time that you started at all. And that is so true when it comes to business, because it's all the little moves that you make. Mm-hmm. If you launch and you fail, quote unquote fail, if you have a flopped launch and nobody mm-hmm. signs up for something, you learned something, you yes. did the thing, you didn't die, you made it. And though you might have to you know, work through it. I definitely don't think you should do that stuff on your own, but talk it out, work through it. The next time you do it, you learned information. What did work, Mm -hmm. what didn't work. It's all one big experience. Oh, and you helped me with what I was going to talk about. It's all one big experiment (laughs) and it has zero to do with your worth. I know those words come out of people's mouths, but I need you to understand that no matter what happens in your business, even if you have a job right now and you want to start a business or you want to like grow in your job, this capitalistic hellscape that we live in, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 0% of the time does the money you make equal your worth and value. And when I say worth and value, I'm even talking about how much people like you, how much people want to work with you in the future, how much people like how interesting and beautiful your create your creations are. I'm talking about all of it. The I made money off of the X plus Y does not equal Z. It does not equal people liking you, people honoring you, people respecting you. That's the relationships that you have. That's the people who who you like look who look at your work and say oh my gosh that's so cool it's not the money you make right that has nothing to do with your value has nothing at all how much you make has zero to do with your value there are shit people in this world so Mm -hmm. honestly I think every billionaire is a shit person and people are going to get pissed because there are some people on the billionaire list that (laughs) people love (laughs) don't get mad at me but I think billionaires are shit people yeah 
I don't think anyone should be a billionaire. Okay. Just, I know. Okay. So you want to be a millionaire <laughs> that gives away a shit ton of money. I think you're the coolest person ever. I want to be you. <laughs> okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're like a billionaire, because the difference between a billionaire and a millionaire or even multiple, multiple millionaire is like almost like you can't even imagine that difference. Okay. So anyways, yeah. so I know billionaires who are shit people. I think all billionaires are shit people. I know millionaires who are shit people. I have worked with people who have multi-million dollars in their business who are miserable as fuck. Some of my favorite people have yet to make a dollar in it with their creativity. Mm -hmm. Some of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life struggle to make money with the brilliance that comes out of their brain. There is zero correlation between how much money you make and your value and worth. And I think that's so important and goes back to what Tony and I were talking about is like, you're always making your way towards the success that you want every Mm -hmm. time you do do anything in your business. It's never starting over. I restarted my whole business in 2021 when I burnt completely out and I didn't even start over because everyone Mm-hmm. You know, 90% of the people that were with me pre-burnout yeah. were like ride or die for the other side. Yeah. You came back. I was like ready to go. I was like, you came, <laughs> you came back on the scene. I was like, perfect. Let's go right now. Yeah, I'm ready to go. sign up the first offer back. <laughs> <laughs> True. And I think that we put so much judgment on ourselves yeah. when it comes to business. And if we can do anything to get started and feel really good, it's knowing that it does not, your worth and value is so much when you woke up mm-hmm. this morning. Yeah. And I truly believe that. Yeah, absolutely. It's just there. I think that we really like having ways. Are we um, on at two or two 30 in the mastermind? Okay. We have 30 minutes. Okay. Just want to make sure. I'll talk fast <laughs> then. I just want to make sure. Um, and so one of the, I think that just completely splitting back by back, I think we really like ways of quantifying and measuring, um, especially AUDHD people. We like to put our cars in order. We like, we like, you know, to, to understand it. And so I think money is just an easier way for a lot of us to like quantify success. But when we redefine that as success looks like I got to get out of bed whenever I wanted to this morning, I had enough for my groceries. I got to make my car payment this month for my family, like in those ways, um, redefining it, I think will really help a lot of autistic people even like redefining what you want your money goals to be. Like it doesn't have to look the same for everybody all the time. So ask yourself and respond genuinely and you will get some good stuff going for it. I love that you said that because um, Tony was talking about a mastermind we're starting in a half an hour. Thank goodness because this (laughs) podcast is long. Um, We're going to be talking about this month, um, looking at your numbers and looking at the bare minimum you have to make to get by. Um, and seeing and knowing that number, because I think a lot of times entrepreneurs too, especially autistic people, if we don't know our numbers, we think that we have to make all of this money. Like we think yeah. we have to make so much to get by. I even did this recently. I looked at like your bare minimum, like I'm eating, I'm driving, I'm yeah. living in a place, right? Um, if you look at that number, it like take so much pressure off yourself because something mm-hmm. else we also do is because we are so capable. This is something I got stuck in and then we're going to wrap up guys. I promise <laughs> something, sorry. Um, something that I know I did and was a huge struggle for me is I am capable of really amazing things. Mm-hmm. Like I know if I wanted to and tried really hard, I could probably be some type of famous someday, like, or yeah. well-known or if I wanted to, I'm not trying yeah. to be grandiose or anything, but 
I used to push myself so hard because I knew what I was capable of. And when mm-hmm. I said to myself, oh, I don't have to make as much money as possible. I don't have to get to the top of my success. Just because I'm capable of something doesn't mean I have to achieve it because that thought process is a cancer. It's an unwanted that. growth of consistency mm-hmm. and you get stuck there. And you are so unsatisfied with everything, no matter what you succeed. And I was like, oh, what if I just want to be kind of lazy and not achieve, like not reach my (laughs) maximum achievement? Mm -hmm. Like I can do that. Like I can just enjoy my life. I don't have to be as successful as I can possibly be, make as much money as I, cause it used to like kill me that like, Oh, if I was working right now, I know I could make more money. I know I could make more money for my family. I know I could make more money for, you know, our savings and our future. And I can just keep going. I can keep going. But what is the end of that? Yeah. Is there ever enough that you say like, Oh good. Cause that's why I get in that time aspect of like, if I work hard enough now, I can rest later. Mm -hmm. And but I never get to the later. I'm always working hard. And I'm always going to say like, at some point I'm going to reach a point and be like, okay, it's enough. And now I can stop. But mm-hmm. with that on that, always knowing that I'm capable of more, I could take on more clients and I could maybe take us on another vacation this year if I just go a little farther, but knowing that like capacity and comfort are two different things. And sometimes we push that comfort to get a little bit more capacity, but not mm-hmm. always. And, and know when those times are just seeking comfort and yeah, knowing what you need to do. And then deciding if you want more, you can want more, go, if you want to be famous, go do it. But totally like if it lights you up, great, but we're all brilliant and we don't always have to reach our fullest potential. Like my dad passed away at 55. And when that happened, I realized, oh shit, he was working so hard his whole life to retire and he didn't even get to have that. Mm. And so you have to look at like what am I sacrificing today, the present Mm -hmm. moment, the actual lived experience that I'm having for some perceived future? Absolutely. Oh, I love you. That's exactly, that feels so aligned (laughs) with how I feel too. I'm just, I love you. Exactly. (laughs) So that's what we have today. Yes. Hey, I think it was under an hour. So we actually did really good. So we'll take oh, that. Oh, that is good. <laughs> Tony and I can talk all day. Um, so if you want to join us in our Facebook group, we have a um, Facebook group called Spectrum Seekers Society. Um, mm-hmm. We will have a post about this podcast. So you can come on answer some questions, talk to us. We'll continue the conversation of what you think is most important in business or what you need to be successful. Um, That's a Facebook group. You can join by clicking in the information. What else? Um, Coming up, we also will have at the end of January, um, a workshop. Uh, Lorraine and Mm. I launched the Spectrum Seekers Tarot deck earlier this year. We had an amazing Kickstarter. We reached over 200% funding, funding in nine hours. It was beautiful. Um, We have a workshop available. It's just going to be going over our favorite tools and unmasking, um, kind of using some color spectrums and some nonverbal communication cards just to help give you some additional tools on your journey. Um, And then I think you said Spectrum Seekers Mastermind might open up in a couple months, right? If anybody is looking for some more community work, they can come in a couple months. Yeah, that's what we got. And so we'll see you next time when we are talking about am I autistic do I have ADHD which Tony and I will not be diagnosing you under any circumstances (laughs) however we will be helping you look at uh, I think a lot of people question that as well right now as we're getting Mm -hmm. more information and more lived experiences and more autistic and ADHD people contributing to the research so yeah 
Yay. Well, we can't wait to see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us today. And catch you next time.